When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Scaredy Chat. I'm Monica Suriagi. And I am Caitlin Riley. Hey guys. We have on a lovely friend from the horror world who really is a horror aficionado, Phil Nobile. It's been a whole week, a whole week of new movies that have come out. And, you know, I don't know if anybody has seen Malignant yet, but it is causing quite a stir online. Quite a, uh, people are having very visceral reactions to it. And Caitlin, I know you saw it. So tell me what you thought. Oh my God. So first of all, sweet, like visceral reactions. I've never seen Twitter blow up so much about a movie that I truly did not think that Twitter or really anyone would care that much about. All due respect to James Wan, a filmmaker who I absolutely love. Um, you might know him. He is one of the filmmakers behind Saw and is also like, I believe, a director and also a producer um, behind The Conjuring. I think it's kind of like the James Wan universe is like The Conjuring universe. It's synonymous, synonymous kind of. So love him, totally respect him by it malignant just you know i basically if you watch the trailer the trailer is about a woman who is in her house and she kind of sees murders in what seems like her dreams so you're kind of like okay like supernatural vibes like so awesome you know great i actually was watching a different movie with my friend Jacob, shout out Jacob, who I do think sometimes listens to this. So if not, <laughs> I'm talking to no one, but hi, Jacob. Um, but yeah, so we were watching The Night House and he's like, I, I don't mind if we skip the previews because I, I literally can't watch this malignant trailer again. But this trailer, Monica, told you absolutely nothing about what the movie is I did about. see that. I saw, <laughs> so this is going to be a spoiler heavy episode, everybody. Yeah, so yeah. If, if you haven't seen Malignant, fast forward to the interview later but i haven't seen it yet either but i'm participating in this chat because the twist was spoiled for me so it doesn't even matter but i did see the trailer and it, no inclination at all of what's coming so you know i love a twist like that's my favorite thing in the whole world so the second i heard that there was a twist in this movie i was like oh my m night Shyamalan, like i must know actually watch it. I was probably going to see it anyway, but it wasn't like tip top of my list kind of a thing. I actually still have to see the third Conjuring, um, which was definitely above this one. But no, I'm so me and Ian sit down to watch this movie. And the first like hour, maybe like hour and 10 minutes, which is like, you know, most of the movie, it's sort of like, okay, like this is like kind of cheesy and kind of a little... I can't really explain it. It almost feels like a B movie from like the 90s that I don't know if like you ever had this experience, but like the movies that would go straight on demand, like before like 
like streaming was a thing. There were these movies that my sister and I would rent like on the Dish Network, like on demand or on like Files on demand or whatever it was. And you're totally. like, where, where did these come from? Like, I don't know. But usually they were fun and like very memorable. But it was kind of that like vaguely clunky, like like people had like there was this part in the movie where the girl reveals to her sister that she was adopted at eight years old. And it's, like, not really a secret, it seems, like, once they go to talk to her mom, but, like, the sister had no idea. And I'm like, how wouldn't you know that your sister, like, was adopted when she was eight? Like, it doesn't... wouldn't Wouldn't she have just appeared one day? Like... Well, so she was the baby, but, like, it's very strange because it's, like, that's, like, a big chunk of life that she didn't experience that nobody asked her about it it didn't really feel like a huge like secret but anyway just like weird things like that so you're watching you're like okay now this is the part of the episode where we're gonna get into like heavy heavy spoilers um but basically again you're warned because this is absolutely crazy i've never seen a movie do this but so throughout the whole film you're seeing the murderer and you're not really sure if he is a person or like a demon or whatever, but he has long brown hair like the main character in the movie. So the whole time I'm like, it's really her. Like it's her, you know, whatever. Um, is so- In some way it is her because they both have long brown hair, but like he has a big coat on and she, I don't know. I'm like, okay, like what's happening here? As it turns out, I was right. Um, and basically, not only is the killer actually the main character of the movie, it's not It's not that she is the killer. It is that the tumor in the back of her head, which is her parasitic twin, who is also somehow able to communicate through the radio and is also like a terrible, terrible person, he is the one killing people. Basically, her hair splits in the back and a tumor that is sentient comes out and is murdery whenever she is, like, asleep. It's like Fight Club. (laughs) It is actually somewhat like Fight Club. The weirdest thing about it is that the moment when you actually see how that works... It's just, it's phenomenally insane. Like, I can't explain this scene, but basically it all culminates with a scene in a jail cell with, like, 20 women in this, like, women's prison. And this parasitic twin, who is a boy, a boy, a man, I don't know, he's a tumor, so whatever. I don't know if they he's age. Ne- he's neither, really. He's really neither, really. But he he comes out and, like, starts, like, literally just murdering everyone. It's it's so bloody and it's so disgusting. But but it's like she's walking backwards as this is happening. Because remember, he's in the back of her head. So he's like slaying everybody. It's horrible. It's so graphic. But then like she just kind of looks like she's propped up almost like a doll. Just like being like flung around. It is just wild. Like you guys, I, I have to say, even though this was like a twist and it was crazy and bananas... Part of me is, like, mad that more people didn't figure it out earlier solely because of the title of the film. The trailer didn't give anything away. That's what I'm saying, Caitlin, because, like, I I haven't seen it, so I can't really talk. I will watch it. But the word malignant 
means like bad tumor, like bad exactly. cancer. Like, so I don't have to watch it. I knew there were tumors involved, you know, like I knew it was going to be about a tumor, something with a tumor. So I'm glad to know that I'm on the right track with that. But it seems pretty obvious. So it's funny because it's like if it wasn't for the trailer, if I hadn't seen the trailer or if I had seen a different kind of version of the trailer, you actually figure it out pretty quickly because in the opening scene, they're in a hospital of some sort and the woman who's the doctor character who, spoiler alert, gets killed very quickly. She keeps screaming, we have to cut out the cancer. And then that line is repeated over and over and over again in the movie. And then the title of the movie is Malignant. So I don't want to say that it's it's super, super obvious, but it's like, it's like obviously there's got to be some connection because it's like malignant cancer, malignant cancer. Like, like it just repeats and repeats and repeats. But I will say the twist is like, even for when it's like not insanely surprising, it's so wild when it actually happens. Like, it's just crazy. Actually, same friend. So Jacob, I told him I had basically we had watched half of the movie or more than half of the movie. And I was like, okay, like, like, whatever, like, it's fine. And then we had to watch it the next day because I was like going to fall asleep. And I was like, Jacob, I don't know. It's like, I don't get what Twitter's like freaking out about. It turns out the last like half hour of the movie is when that like that prison scene happens like all of this crazy stuff happens so if you're kind of bored at the hour mark you might not be bored at like the hour and one minute mark it you is just gotta wait for it you just gotta wait for it but it's it's absolutely wild i don't know i think you guys should all watch it even knowing the twist i think even if you don't watch the whole movie if you have hbo max and you just skip through and get to that that like hour mark and see this scene in the prison it is totally it is totally worth it i don't know (laughs) i love i i love the idea of a bonkers movie like everybody who i know who saw it was like i was so bored and then i was so alarmed and like that's awesome like that's such an accomplishment you know like that's kind of that's kind of how i and you know not that i'm anywhere even a percentage near the level of james wan but like that is how I kind of approach the short. Like I wanted it to be slow and maybe a little bit boring until a, it's 13 minutes total until around like the nine minute mark. And then shit starts to pop off. But I was like, I want people to be like, where is this even going? I'm bored. Actually, I was just in a meeting um, kind of talking about like directors and, you know, everybody has that crazy movie that they want to make like this, this thing that, hasn't really been seen before it doesn't make sense and maybe it's not super marketable you know like it's this crazy idea and it's like hard to pull off i think malignant is a good example of that but in this meeting i was in they were kind of telling us like you have to earn that place in your career you know the the first movie you make very rarely it happens obviously but very rarely is going to be this off the wall thing that no one's seen. You kind of have to make a few movies that are more commercial, more in line with what people are used to. If you're going the traditional, you know, studio funded route, if you're doing your own indie stuff, do whatever you want. But you know what I mean? Like the, that route. And so he, you know, he did the conjuring, he did saw a bunch of like, you know, and then you can be like, look at my weird fucking tumor movie, you know, that I've been sitting on for who knows how long. So I'm just looking forward to the point where I can whip out my weirdest shit 
because I've earned it. Well, it's funny. It's like, yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, no offense to The Conjuring, a franchise that I actually absolutely love. I think it's fantastic. Um, I love that they like created an expanded universe, but it is a pretty traditional, like scary movie. And it's also very like Christian based, which is like, um, some people have had issues with, but like as someone who is not a Christian, like I've never really been bothered by because I'm like, this is like all made up anyway. So it's fine. Like, what's the difference? Like, it's okay. (laughs) Um, you know, there aren't hopefully fingers crossed actually demons, in this universe, um, at least in the way that they are in The Conjuring. I don't know. I'm just going to cross my fingers on that one. But yeah, those movies made, I think, like a billion dollars. Like something absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Um, But I will say like Saw, when that first came out, that was considered a pretty bonkers movie. But it also was kind of, I mean, it was kind of similar, I guess, to Seven. So people were probably used to something similar. It didn't have that crazy, otherworldly, supernatural, this can't happen thing. True. Yeah, that's no. I mean, it's not a, (laughs) Jigsaw's not a tumor living in the the back. And the puppet is actually alive. It's actually the puppet. I would like that. I would like that so much. Absolutely <laughs> not. Can I give it? A, no, I, I really wouldn't. I, Saw is actually a pretty perfect film as it is. So, And Malignant is perfect also in its own unique way. I Please love go that. watch it. I love it. Yeah, you've really hyped it up. I was going to watch it anyway just to watch it, but now I'm actually excited about it. Because I was kind of feeling like it was like, you know, horror required reading. Like after the trailer, I was like, oh, I'll watch it because I know I have to, but I'm not really excited about this. But now, now I am. Now it's good homework. I love it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Scaredy Chat listeners. It is spooky season, the most wonderful time of the year. And I'm very excited for today's episode because we have on a lovely friend from the horror world who really is a horror aficionado. And if you have an article of Fangoria in your house, you can thank Phil. Everybody, Phil Nobile. Hello. Hi, Phil. Thanks for for having me. Thank you for hopping on and and, uh, joining us a little bit last minute. I think I texted you like three days ago if you wanted to do this. Mm. Yes, (laughs) I'm I'm getting ready to fly to Austin tomorrow where I'm going to see you and your short film. I'm excited for that. Have you seen it yet? I saw a rough cut, I think. Oh, okay. So oh. I'm looking forward to seeing it finished with the crowd. It's fantastic. So nice. you're in for a treat. Not to brag about Monica, but Monica won't. So there we well, go. <laughs> I bought in early on Monica. She was she was in a documentary that I helped produce called Horror Noir. So I. I've been knowing about Monica, so it's all good. I'm excited yes. to see her film. I love that documentary. We, uh, like, literally, I think, like, 30 of us went to see it. It's a fantastic documentary in addition to featuring Monica, who is fantastic. Yeah. So, Well, thank you both. I I definitely got a nice bump forward in my horror career, thanks to Phil. I'm very appreciative. Well, group effort. And, you know, if you were terrible, we would have cut you out. So, you know, give yourself some credit. <laughs> Yes, I made the final cut. I am in the finished product. Yeah. Well, Phil, today we're here to talk about you Mm. and your fears, specifically your childhood fears. You know, my parents, there were seven kids in my family and, you know, they did their best. But, you know, they just were going to go see a movie. And and if one person was going to see The Exorcist and all seven of us were going to see The Exorcist. And I had to sort of get right with that stuff early on, I think. Um, 
but it, you know, movies did kind of freak me out as a kid. Uh, but as far as real life fears, I mean, I had one dream where like a, a, a girl from like the Little Rascals era, like a girl in black and white was haunting my house and coming after me. Like the house was in color, but she was in her weird like, you know, Little House in the Prairie curls and she was black and white and I didn't care for that at all. Um, and it gave me, an, gave me an aversion to like old timey photography for a little while maybe, but uh, you know. Were you afraid that you would see her in a photo and be like, that's her? It was that thing which, you know, so many movies have kind of played on where, I, including, uh, I think, It Follows, where, like, something's coming after you in the dream. So few of my dreams ever got to a point where I was, like, engaging with the thing that I was afraid of because I was always... So you knew there was danger. You knew something was coming for you. you knew I knew she was bad news, but I didn't know what was going to happen if she got me. And I still, to this day, don't. That's Hopefully so true. we never find out. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of true. It's like I've never really experienced a dream where the thing I'm afraid of actually comes for me. And I I don't know what would happen. Some people say if you die in your dream, you die in real life. But I feel like that's 100% -hmm. not true. That can't be true. I think I've died in a dream or two. I think I have. And you're still here, in theory. Yes. This could be a simulation. Who knows? I think so. So one thing I think is really interesting is, so you are the editor-in-chief of Fangoria, but you said um, in your text to Monica that you couldn't watch horror movies for a pretty long time, I guess, unless your family was forcing you they by way of, me. Yeah. of siblings. <clears throat> Can you talk a little bit about how you went from, I really don't want to watch these, to I'm going to make my entire career about these. Yeah. God. Well, that's a very long story. We can do some of that. But uh, let's talk. <laughs> so the thing is, when you're a little kid, you're you're afraid of things because there's so much you don't know. There's so much that's unknown to you. And I think horror movies, were, for a lot of us, were a way to sort of test those boundaries, find out where our threshold is for, for fear, get our heads around sort of giant ideas like death and, and uh, that something out there will harm you. Um, as a little kid, that's a big thing to sort of get your head around. Um, the, the problem is that getting through the films was kind of tough for me. I, I was on my 11th birthday, my older brother took me to see American Werewolf in London. And I, um, I made it as far as Griffin Dunn with his throat torn open and his little flappy thing. Uh, and I had to leave the theater in tears, uh, cause I couldn't handle it. But, you know, what, what, what kind of saved me in that regard was stuff like Fangoria and and how to make up books and learning that it was actually craft, learning that it was people making this thing and presenting it in a way that was going to scare me, I think helped get my head around it. So in addition to American Werewolf in London, what other movies were part of that journey, whether it was like within that summer or even later? Sure. Um, well, The Exorcist is the earliest movie I can remember seeing. So it was almost too early to scare me. I don't give away my age, but I was a toddler kind of uh, seeing The Exorcist, but I remember it on the drive-in screen. Um, but that around that same time was The Thing, which I came home and I was afraid of my dog after that because the dog would look at me and I was like, oh, that dog knows something. That dog is hiding a secret. Um, Creep Show was that year and that freaked me out too. Um, you know what would really freak me out was commercials. Um, Ooh commercials for movies there was one called silent scream and it was like this slow push on this boarded up chunk of attic and this hand would punch through and it was and it would kind of 
kind of creeped me out. There's a commercial for a movie called Magic, where it's like a ventriloquist dummy that's talking about murder. Hated that. Did not like that. Nope. Nope. Monica's favorite thing. <laughs> there's one. There's one commercial from my youth that I've I've been looking for it on the internet. See again, like I'm trying to get my head around the thing that terrified me, but I've never found it on the internet. I finally found one person who wrote about it, but it was a PSA in New York, and it was a a woman holding sort of like this 1950s housewife photo in front of her face. And she was talking about how she and her husband smoked. Uh, and my husband smoked all day and he liked to smoke in bed. One night he fell asleep with a cigarette. It was his last. And she takes, he burned to death and she takes the photo down and she is, she is horribly, horribly burned. And she goes, I guess you could say I was the lucky one. And it was... I was able, I've been able to recently figure this out. This is over 40 years ago. I'm able to recently figure this out that it was a PSA by the New York Fire Department. Uh, we found the woman's name. We found like obituaries. And I still, I don't know why I want to see it again. But the, the thing, the thing of it is when I, after the first time we saw it as kids, it's a 30 second spot and she only takes her face away in the end, right? Whenever that picture came up, and they ran the shit out of it one year. Like we would run out of the room. We would like run screaming and not want to watch it. And it's horrible because this woman was like actually burned. This is a real person. Um, but those PSAs in the 70s and 80s didn't play. Uh, and they were more um, traumatic than any movie I've seen. That's absolutely oh traumatizing. I'm, I'm almost positive that I have seen that. Or I've seen some sort of version of that. Uh, yeah. And not the exact same thing, but that sounds so familiar. And that is really disturbing because it does kind of have like the tropes of like a, you know, almost like a horror movie. Like yeah. this is this is a bad thing that can happen to you if you don't, you know, sort of abide by like the rules in the a rules. way. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little yeah, that's a little sad, obviously. But um, did yeah, it scare that's, you? Yikes! Did it scare you out of smoking? <laughs> Well, let's put it this way. I remember I said I had seven brothers and, or six brothers and sisters. All six of them plus my parents all smoke and I never did. Oh. So maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I think it worked. But it's not, really, it's not really anti-smoking, I guess, as much as it's anti-smoking specifically in bed. In bed. Smoking in bed, yeah. Yeah. But also probably not smoking would yeah. solve all Maybe the I problems. was like, you never know when I'm going to get drowsy. I better not have this cigarette. <laughs> Anywhere near me or my bed. I mean, that's what, um, you know, like spontaneous combustion and the debate of if it can really happen or not. Mm. It's theorized that most of the time when it looks like that's what happened, it was really somebody smoking who fell asleep. Wait, sorry, what? There are people saying that it's possible to spontaneously combust. Oh my gosh, yes. There's so many like scholarly articles from like the 1800s about how we could burst into flames at any Wait, moment. Have we They've talked all, about this before? I don't, I don't think we have. They've, most of them have been disproven. There was this one guy whose life's mission was to prove that we can spontaneously combust <laughs> and everybody else was like no dude th this isn't right like your facts are not right but he wrote a bunch of articles about it um and he would there would be like there was a woman who like all they found was like her feet and like oh, the chair God. she was in was burnt to a crisp and like her the the fat from her body was pressed into the cushions and she was completely gone and it's like how did this happen but they it, they realized like she was smoking and she fell asleep yeah. You know, and, so she and just burned instead. By the time she like woke up, she was already engulfed in flame, and it was too late. You know, and 
that's that's usually what they think it is. Like if somebody spontaneously combusts, they were either smoking or a candle very close to them fell on them while they were asleep. Um, so there was a real last gasp of that mysteries of the unexplained stuff in the 70s and 80s where like I have whole books I remember as a kid and it was like this is the time that toads fell out of the sky and this was this and then there was a spontaneous combustion chapter and then there's Bigfoot and then there's you know uh UFOs and it seems like all this stuff kind of fell away once we all had devices that could record every second of our lives all these mysteries sort of just stopped happening I don't know would either of you would you prefer to see death coming Ooh. And like, get a minute, get like, I don't know, get your affairs in order. Or would you rather just get like hit by a bus and then someone else has to clean your house out? So one of my biggest fears in the world, and when you said this earlier that you weren't afraid of heights, I was like, that's dumb. Um, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. I uh, One of my biggest fears is it's heights, but it's not heights like, oh man, like heights are so scary, like ah, vertigo or whatever kind of thing. For me, the reason why I don't like heights is because I have this fear that I will either fall or jump like off a building. I don't want to, but like, what if? Like, that's the whole thing. Um, and the thing that scares me the most about that is that I will see death coming because there's nothing you can do once you're off a skyscraper or once you're like bungee jumping or something like that. There's nothing you can do. No one can save you. Like, I don't even think like if it, somebody could fly to come get you, like mathematically it would work out. There's no, absolutely No, they would just nothing. smash your body in the air and you'd still die. Exactly. Like that Spider-Man uh, situation with Gwen sure. Stacy or whatever, like would break my neck. It'd be horrible. So there's nothing that anybody could do. Um, and that is my biggest fear probably ever. So would rather be hit by a bus. Mm-hmm. Actually, even that's giving me too much time. I would actually, maybe I would rather spontaneously combust. I think I would. <laughs> you know what? I take back everything I just said. I would rather spontaneously combust. All 100%. Right. Have you heard of Swedish death cleaning? No. Yeah. This is like a very Swedish thing where like you plan ahead for your death in the sense of there are Swedish death cleaners and they come to your house and they help you go through all your stuff. And like you, we could do it now. You know, like, it's not like something where you're like, you're in hospice. It's like, when you think about it, you could hire one of them. They'll come. They'll help you give away, save what needs to be saved for family members and, you know, what has value. But then they help you get rid of other things. Mm. And I would love to do something like that, too. Just like, you know, so it's not left to your relatives. It's all done already. When you said it, I thought it was something that my friend once referred to as a shovel buddy, which is... Uh, you make a pact with someone in your life and when you die or the other person dies, you've got to go and get rid of all of their incriminating stuff. You've got to delete their hard drives. You've got to get rid of their porn or whatever personal filth that they've saved that they don't want the world to be seeing. It's called a shovel buddy, apparently. And I don't have one yet. So I'm in the market. I don't know if anybody out there is, uh, you know, looking for one, but you know, hit that's me up. That's a good movie idea. That's a really, that's a movie title too. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Actually, is that a movie? I'm like, that's, that's so familiar. If it's not, I'd be so surprised because it writes itself. Like one of yeah. them dies, you go to get rid of their shit and it opens this whole wormhole of stuff they exactly. didn't even know about them. Exactly. Huh. Maybe, maybe okay, we should well. maybe we shouldn't air that part maybe. Yeah, <laughs> got to take that one to your agent instead. Right. <laughs> okay, uh, if it's not a movie, it will be in two years. The IP is this Zoom call, so <laughs> they need IP now. There we got, we got it. We already right. got it. 
So, Phil, we are going into our next segment, which is called Chill versus Chilling or chill or chilling. I actually don't know if it's versus or or. We have not decided. We're basically we ask you if something is too scary for you, so chilling, or if you would do it despite the terror that it would ensue. So that's chill. Mm. So chill is good, chilling is bad, no not doing it. Um and yeah. So that's uh that's basically the game. Are you ready? I am ready interviewing <clears throat> your number one horror icon. So first of all, who is that for you? Have you interviewed them? Were you scared? Would you do it? I imagine you would do it because you have a, a magazine to run. Um, I do. It's my job, right? Um, but the, the actual the effect is that my, my horror icon, are you talking about filmmaker or like? Could be anything. Like, you know, sky's the limit, blue sky here. Yeah. I mean, I was privileged to interview George Romero in 2000 and he was uh-huh. amazing and he is my guy. He's like my my number one horror director. Um, and he was he was fantastic. We had, we had dinner and uh, it was for film students and I sort of got invited because I knew the most about Romero. So I just sat next to him and asked him questions and he talked to the whole crowd of uh, of uh, film students. And <clears throat> it was very chill to answer your question. So, wow. yeah. And I'm glad I got to do that before, you know, while he was still with us. That's amazing. That's a, that, yeah, that's that is so, so cool. cool. Wow. Is that, uh, is that uh, like taped somewhere? Can I watch that? <laughs> it's not. It was, in, it was in 2000. So like, you know, not a whole lot of... Uh, portable video equipment at that point. Um, but yeah, it just worked out. And, you know, he, he was coming off of, he hadn't made a movie in like seven years and kind of couldn't get anything off the ground at that time. Five years later, he would get, he would come back with Land of the Dead. But at the time he was just sort of taking speaking gigs at colleges if people wanted to bring him in. So that's how that ended up happening. Um, he was, he was fantastic. I can't believe he couldn't get something off the ground. That feels so horrible. He said he like, told a story about how he made more money writing scripts that didn't get made in the 90s than he ever made making a film. I could believe that. I, I Yeah, but that sucks. So, uh. But he, like, invented zombies. He did, but, you know, zombies weren't... Zombies weren't back for a minute. I think Shaun of the Dead might have been, like, the, the toe in the water, and then and then Resident Evil, once that finally got made... Started that again, but um, he, yeah, he he didn't get to lead the way on that new wave of zombie movies. He had to play catch up somewhat, which was a, a, dra- a drag, I think. That's true. Yeah, oh, man, if only he had lived for that second zombie renaissance, he would would have crushed it. Yeah, and you know, we do have him to thank for, like, you know, like Night of the Living Dead. That's like the shining example of a black person taking charge and yeah you know and there's echoes of Romero for me in, in in Get Out like the end of Get Out is very much a conversation with the end of Night of the Living Dead in terms of like what you think is going to happen to him at the end of the movie and and uh you know and I think Peel is the guy who's doing the commentary that Romero used to do uh which is you know extra exciting for me um but yeah so skydiving how do you feel about it uh, super, super curious to do it. I've mm. been told by my sainted wife that I'm not allowed to do it. Mm. Um, but, <laughs> you know, remember when we talked about if whether or not you could see death coming? Like, if you find out, if I found out I had a week to live, I would probably go skydiving every day. I, I, yeah. Think, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Like, if I was diagnosed with like a, you know, in the next week, I would do it. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I would do it on the last day. 
I wouldn't. Do, I, I don't want to risk it beforehand. That's like, true. You, you want... waste your whole week because you splat <laughs> it into the ground. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, your wife is smart. She is um, very I, smart. I often tell my husband things of that nature, but usually it's like no riding on a motorcycle because Monica's mom called them donor cycles, and I've never, <laughs> never left that mm-hmm. from my, my brain. mom. My mom calls them donor cycles, and she's like, and if I find out you were riding one, I'm going to be furious. Wow. And now I take that. I am also exactly the same rules as your mom. But yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. Okay, so just be careful, um, you know, and listen to your wife. Yeah, she's <laughs> right on that one. I would like to go skydiving, and I could tell this story again, but... Uh, Caitlin has heard this a hundred times at this point, but I, <laughs> my favorite thing ever. <laughs> I, um, when I was in high school, I got like a metal rod put around my spine. So there's lots of metal and shit in there. And when I was coming back for like follow-up appointments, the doctor was like, don't go skydiving now. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, if you go skydiving, the force of the fall will rip that metal right out of your body. And I was just like, excuse me? What? Wow. And I, I realized now I think he was kidding. He had to be. He had to be kidding. Yeah. And, I mean, we but can I, Google this. Yeah, we can easily but, Google this. Yes. But the funniest thing about this to me is that Monica told me this, believing it, and I didn't question it for a second. And I've repeated that story to other people. I'd be like, my friend can't even go skydiving because <laughs> she has this metal rod in her back. Wow. And I was just like, yeah. And people have questioned it. They've been like, that doesn't really make sense. And I'm like, no, like a doctor told a her. A doctor told her that she would die. Yeah. And but you I know just, what I was thinking about? It. With that metal and that bone, a little spark, yeah. a little spontaneous combustion maybe? I'll, instead, that would, yes, I, the metal will stay in, but it'll just explode. <laughs> yeah, it'll Good. be fine, but, you know, poof. You won't make it to the ground, but not for the reason you think. Exactly. Yeah. Plot twist. Spontaneous combustion. Ooh, Extremely I'm going to use that for everything. Well, Phil, I think that is it for our yeah. chat. All right. Thank you so much for being here. This has been fantastic. Thanks where for can inviting they, me. Yeah, where can they find you? Where Share your social. Share anything else you want to I do not promote. need to be found anywhere. You don't need to come looking. It's all good. Um, but I would <laughs> love for people to go to Fangoria.com and check out what our web uh, editor, Angel, is cooking up every week. It's it's a lot of cool stuff that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, we digitize old issues of the magazine every week, so you can page through like one from the 80s. It's very cool. And uh, great merch happening every month there. Um, gosh. And then our new issue, issue 13, Dragula is on the cover. I'm very excited. It's on shelves at Barnes Noble and comic shops on October 12th. So please buy it. Yes. Oh, I love Dragula. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know if you know, Phil, but I'm like friends with Steven now, Bitch Pudding, because of you making that recommendation. Oh, I didn't know that. But Bitch is awesome. Uh, B- bitch is like the next great horror host that hasn't happened yet, I think. A hundred percent. Like, we've worked together on so many videos, and she was a guest on the podcast, too, at, earlier in the year. Fantastic. That makes me happy. Yay. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Well, thank you so much. Thank um, you. How do we end this, Monica? <laughs> well, I feel I hope that, you know, drudging up some of your childhood fears wasn't a too heavy of a way to start the day, but I'll see you soon. All right. See you in Texas. Yes. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here today on Scaredy Chat. We hope you were a little scared and maybe a little relieved about your fears. And if you're having fun listening to this podcast, please rate and review and subscribe so you never miss it and you're ready with us every week. 
And hey, make sure you follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at scaredychat underscore podcast. And maybe you have a fear and you're wondering if other people are afraid of it too? Well, we probably are, but you should email us your fears at story at scaredychatpod.com and maybe we'll talk about it on the show. Till next time, Scaredy Cats. Bye! Security Chat was developed and hosted by Caitlin Riley and Monica Moore Suriagi. Produced by Jeff Swimmer. Editing and sound design by Fitz Harris. Theme music by Eric Fashingbauer, with samples by Jeff Zahn and Jack Lenz. And Gail Gilman is the executive producer. Hold up. 